Hi, this is Steve Robinson here for another in a series of podcasts featuring new releases on the CD Records label. We'll be talking in a moment, too, with Jennifer Coe, who has the most recent CD release. It's Tchaikovsky, The Complete Works for Violin and Orchestra. And we'll be talking with Jenny about this recording. Throughout this conversation with excerpts from the recording, if you are so inspired, you should run out and buy this recording. Uh, one way to do it is by going to the CD website, and that's at www.cdrecords.org, and that would be C-E-D-I-L-L-E, cdrecords.org, and that's where you can purchase this album. So, Jennifer, obviously we want to talk a bit about this wonderful new album, the Tchaikovsky Complete Works for Violin and Orchestra, and I thought a good place might be to start in Glen Ellen because you were born in Glen Ellen and you're from the Chicago area, which is appropriate for a CD record, since CD is all about Chicago musicians mm-hmm. and music. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. I guess officially I was born in Hinsdale Hospital, but I was raised in Glen Ellen and first came across the violin and first learned the violin at Wheaton College has a Suzuki program. I, I don't know if they still do, but at the time when I was a kid, that's where my parents took me. The only opening was violin. I think there were waiting lists on other instruments. I had a wonderful first violin teacher, Joe Davis, who I'm still quite close with. Yeah. When you accepted the award for Instrumentalist of the Year at Carnegie Hall for Musical America, you told a very moving story about your mom. Well, when I accepted that award, I was, of course, very honored to receive the award. But I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm fortunate enough to be a musician because of all of the people in my life that have made it possible. And that really, of course, starts with my mom, who was a refugee from North Korea when she was a child. And with her family, walked down the entire peninsula of Korea in the midst of the fighting and the war. She came to the United States, I think with $30 in her pocket, and she worked as a nanny, and she received her PhD in three years. I think she was the first Korean woman to receive a PhD from the University of Pittsburgh. When she had me, she wanted me to have everything that she did not have. I think people forget that in times of war that things like school doesn't exist, much less any other opportunity like picking up a musical instrument or anything else like that. So she started me in ballet and rhythmic gymnastics, gymnastics, ice skating, diving. I was really bad at all of those things, (laughs) but I loved music. She actually, for many years, taught at what is now called Dominican University. While I was growing up, it was called Rosary College in River Forest. But I was lucky enough, just by chance, to end up with this really wonderful teacher, Joe Davis, who told my parents at a certain point that she felt that she had taught me everything she knew, and she thought that I had something to say as as a musician and found me my next teacher. And at the time, they always told me in the beginning that the reason Mrs. Davis drove me to my lessons for the first year was that my parents didn't want to drive for an hour. (laughs) And then only last summer, I saw her and Mr. Davis, and she told me, you know, Jenny, that story actually is totally not true. It's that those teachers didn't want to take you because they didn't think you were good. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, I never wanted to tell you that or let you know because I didn't want you to feel less. And she was like, I always believed that 
you had something special to say. And she told me she made a promise to them that she would make sure that I was progressing under them. And that's why she drove me to my lessons every week. And she made an agreement with my parents that they wouldn't tell me that. (laughs) So I only found this out last summer. And she was right, because I'm sure it would have made me really upset as an eight-year-old, but now it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a really wonderful story. And to have won the Tchaikovsky competition when you did at the age, I think, of 17 shows a, a great deal of determination and just persistence. And when you say that your mother arrived in this country with $30 and wound up with a PhD and was an nanny, I mean, that's, that's quite a journey there, and I would imagine. Oh, my mom is much tougher <laughs> than I am. She is a survivor. I know that if a nuclear bomb went off in Glen Ellen, Illinois, and if my parents survived the initial blast, they would know exactly what to do. She is a total survivor. Mm -hmm. To say the least. Now, getting to the album, you're a um, musician and an artist who loves projects. And the album actually is a kind of project in the sense that your work with the maestro, Alexander Verdernikov, and the Odense Symphony has been a, quote, wonderful circular process and an important part of my personal history, your personal history. Could you explain a bit about that? I know the Odense Symphony and... Alexander since I was 15 years old, and that's the first time I performed with them actually separately. So I've known them since before I started my professional life, I guess. And I didn't see or work with Alexander for over 20 years. And then we played Tchaikovsky Concerto for the first time since I was 15, only a few years ago with NHK Symphony. And it just felt, you know, we've changed a great deal as musicians, as well as, you know, obviously I've grown up, I was just a kid at that point, but there was still that core of being intrinsically musically connected. It felt important to share that and to record that onto CD. And Odin's Symphony I've had such a long relationship with over the years that it felt like a very circular process and organic. It felt like the right time to record the Tchaikovsky Concerto as well because, of course, after the competition, I had been asked quite a few times to record that concerto, and I didn't feel like it was the right time. Well, it's a beautiful recording. Let's talk first, though, about the pieces that are not the concerto. I read in the notes that Tchaikovsky wrote all of these pieces within a very short time frame, I think three years. It sort of reminds me, if I'm not mistaken, Mozart wrote his five violin concertos in also a very short period of time. I think yes, when he was but hang- he was so young. <laughs> They're all right. major. <laughs> I think he was visiting Salzburg and got bored and, you know, oh, well, I'll, I'll just write five violin so concertos. So unfair. The, the pianists <laughs> get, like, concerti and minor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have symphonia concertante, but shouldn't complain. Let's talk about the first piece, the Serenade Melancholy. The title sort of sums it up. Uh, now the notes say that it's all played on the dark-hued fourth string, but that's just part of it, how it opens? Yeah, the entire opening, yeah. I'm not ordering the album in, I think, a very traditional way. I wanted this CD to really be about the essence of what I believe Tchaikovsky is, which is this incredible vulnerability and being completely honest and open and exposing himself musically in such a direct and honest way with all of its darkness, all of its complexity. And I wanted to start the CD in that way, and I wanted to end the CD in that way. It opens with the Serenade Melancholique, which is 
It's one of the pieces I, I love most. It's pretty sparsely orchestrated, actually, but it's just one of the most moving things there. And what I'm aiming for was not beauty. I know a lot of people uh, might think of Tchaikovsky and think, oh, beautiful, just beautiful music, but I wanted to show the frailty in being that open musically, which that's what draws me to Tchaikovsky. And I think that piece, Serenade Melancholique, really encapsulates that fragility that happens when you open yourself in that way. And even the sound that I was going for was very much with a kind of fragility in the sound. Well, let's listen to an excerpt from this Serenade Melancholique in this all Tchaikovsky album. This album on CD features the complete works for violin and orchestra of Tchaikovsky. This is a performance by Jennifer Coe, violin, our guest, with the Odense Symphony Orchestra conducted by her longtime associate and friend Alexander Vedernikov.
Now, the second cut is quite a different piece in mood and in style and tone, the uh, Valse Scherzo, Opus 34. Talk a bit about that piece. It's funny because all these works I actually did in the Tchaikovsky competition. And I remember at that time struggling the most with Valse Scherzo. And I don't know, for some reason, I always like connected much more with darker music in general. And still even now, if there's just a piece that's purely happy, I'm like, I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. Now I feel like I can relate and understand the Valsquerzo more. I didn't feel like it was necessarily about joy for me, but it, it's a little bit about nostalgia, almost like memory, thinking back upon a time period that was happier. Well, it's certainly a, a wonderful performance and a terrific piece. And we're going to hear an excerpt from this Valse Scherzo, Opus 34 by Tchaikovsky. In this all Tchaikovsky album, this album on CD features the complete works for violin and orchestra of Tchaikovsky, Jennifer Coe with Alexander Vedernikov conducting the Odense Symphony Orchestra. Thank you. 
So, Jenny, on to the Tchaikovsky Concerto, certainly one of the most beloved and well-known concertos in the entire repertoire. The critic Edward Hunsley famously said in reviewing probably the first performance of this piece, the violin was not played, it was beaten, black and blue. And that quote has lived on, uh, I'm sure, to his everlasting regret, because (laughs) particularly your performance is anything but that. You have a very, I don't know if the word gentle approach to the piece is right, but you have an approach to the piece which is, um, say, not bombastic. Would you agree? Of course, there are like very technically difficult things in the concerto, but I think, again, it's really about finding the musical meaning behind it. So I don't really like thinking about technique. I think the whole reason I practice is to just kind of get the technique out of the way because I don't want it to get in the way of interpretation or music making in terms of being able to be present in a singular moment. I don't want anything to get in the way of the musical meaning. So I hope what comes across is, again, that kind of directing almost guttural quality and just the expression. Music is not about showing the beauty of technique or the beauty of sound that instrumentalists can create. For me, the beauty about being a musician is that you recognize that your very small piece is something much larger than yourself. And it's not about yourself. And it's really about communication. It's about expression. It's about shortening the distance between human beings and coming to an understanding of each other. I mean, that's why I love being a performing musician, because I can slip into the worlds of of composers and be totally immersed in, in their world, communicate what they're feeling and what they've written and communicate in their language. And what was the question? I forgot, but it was a great answer. So, no. I went off um, on a tangent, and I was like, where am I going? <laughs> no, it was a good tangent, and I wanted to just extend that a little bit. Yeah, so I, my aim was not beauty. I think it's important to communicate that because I really think that music is about communicating in as honest a way as possible. And sometimes it doesn't have the prettiest edges to it, but it's honest and it's true. And I believe that Tchaikovsky suffered so much in his life. He was a gay man in a time that that was not acceptable and not possible. I can't even imagine the torture, the internal turmoil and pain that he went through in his life. And the remarkable thing is that in his music, he communicates in such an honest and direct way, but it's not always pretty. We're going to play an excerpt from the Tchaikovsky, from the second movement of the violin concerto. And this is our guest who's talking about her brand new release on CD, Tchaikovsky, Complete Works for Violin and Orchestra. This is Jennifer Coe accompanied by the Odent Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Alexander Rodernikov.
We're going to talk now about the Souvenir d'une Locher, uh, The Memory of a Beloved Place, and this is a piece that Tchaikovsky wrote for violin and piano, but it was orchestrated by Alexander Glatsonov. Talk a bit about this piece, Jenny. The first work, meditation, in the set was the original slow movement of the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. I don't know this as a fact, but it's quite a dark work, and I imagine that that's why he replaced it with the cantonetta, which is in the Violin Concerto now, and I think it actually works really well, the movement that he did write for the Violin Concerto. But meditation, I must say, is also one of my favorite pieces. I think I really like the darker pieces. And the English translation, Memory of a Beloved Place, as the liner notes describe, the uh, beloved place is a town called Breloff, where his famous patron was also staying, Mademoiselle von Meck, and he went there just to unwind and wrote this piece. So that's the beloved place. And it's in three movements. You talked a bit about meditation, but it's a three-movement piece, the scherzo and melody. Do you want to talk about the um, the other two movements? Oh, yeah. Um, so scherzo is... Exactly what it kind of says. It's in scherzo form. There's a beautiful melodic section in the middle. It's it's kind of fast on the outside parts. I really wanted to close the entire album with melody because it's very simple. It's very quiet, and it seemed like a lovely way to say goodbye. Well, we'll conclude uh, the music portion of our podcast with an excerpt from this composition, Souvenir de l'eau chère. Memory of a Beloved Place, it's Opus 42, and the performance is by our guest, Jennifer Coe, who on this wonderful new Sadie album is accompanied by the Odin Symphony Orchestra under the direction of Alexander Vadernikov.
So, Jenny, I'm told you did another project called Shared Madness that had to do with a promise you made to people who helped you pay for your violin. And yes. tell us a little bit about Shared Madness. Well, it took me eight years to raise the funds to purchase the violin that I play on. And I had been carrying half of that as debt with 12% interest. And I knew I would never be able to pay it off in my lifetime. And even if I continued working for the next 100 years, it was killing me. Finally, this lovely couple came in and helped pay off that debt or a large portion of that debt. So they agreed for repayment in the form of commissions because that's their mission in life is to create new work or to help birth new music. So I went to my community of composers. I started every single conversation on the phone with, please feel free to say no, and I wouldn't be offended, and I completely understand. And a lot of them actually knew what I was going through. A lot of them are my friends. Of course, it was a private situation. I was really moved because the majority of people I asked said yes. Actually, not even the majority. Almost everyone said yes. I'm certainly not a believer in asking artists to do any work for free because we really do work and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time. And I definitely don't feel like it's fair. For example, at benefits, oftentimes people will ask musicians to play for free and fundamentally I don't believe that's right. I don't think composers should write for free. It's work. So I knew what I was asking for was a lot. And then when I started getting the pieces, I was even more moved because everybody delivered incredibly thoughtful, well-crafted pieces that they put a great deal of effort into and work. And I am so forever grateful to them for not only paying off this incredible amount of financial debt and making my life bearable again, but for allowing me to be part of their community. And I understand that there will be 32 movements in the piece. Did I hear that right? There are 32 pieces for solo violin, and I premiered it at National Sawdust in Brooklyn under the auspices of the New York Phil's uh, Biannual back in May. And I've since toured it to Santa Fe Music Festival. It will be going to Cincinnati as well. I can't remember every place it's going to, honestly. So I also played it in Maine. And so now they'll be touring as full programs. Well, that's wonderful. I look forward to hearing that. Maybe one day we'll be on CD. We tend to have a couple of questions that we wrap up these podcasts with that have to do with two things. First of all, I want you to talk about Chicago. I know you were from here, but what makes the Chicago music scene, um, in your view, a, a special place or a good place for music? I grew up on the Chicago Symphony and Lyric Opera, and I feel really lucky to have been exposed to great performances of great music from such a young age. Now, when I meet with students and do master classes, I always tell them, you have to have the idea of the sound that you want to create before you'll ever be able to create it. And I think I was incredibly fortunate to be around such world-class musicians and to be able to actually just hear them live because it gave me that space to be able to imagine the sound that I wanted to create. Especially when you're young and first learning music, it's incredibly important to be around that and to be able to hear that. And I think in general, the arts 
give you a place to imagine somewhere else, something better, something different. And I think having grown up in Chicago, being able to have an entire musical world given to me in the form of lyric opera and Chicago Symphony was amazing because I could then imagine that world of that kind of sound world and that quality of playing as a musician. Did you play with the Chicago Symphony when you were a teenager? I made my debut with them when I was 11 years old, when I did the Paganini Concerto. It was for Illinois Young Performers competition. Do they have that still? They have something, and it's not quite that name, but I think they do something okay. like that. Andrew Patton used to host that all the time. Wow. It was that at Orchestra Hall? Yes, and I put a YouTube video up because I, I realized I w- I'm never going to perform Paganini. And I was like, eh, I'll put up the 11-year-old version doing that. <laughs> it's with the orchestra on YouTube? With the Chicago Symphony, yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go right back to my office and look at it. <laughs> and then lastly, Jennifer, just in your own career, what's ahead? What are some of the next projects you have up your sl- prodigious sleeves? Hopefully I'll continue to tour Shared Madness. I'm continuing to tour Bridge to Beethoven. I'm going to be premiering a new concerto by Vijay Iyer at the Ojai Festival in Tanglewood next summer. And I'm also playing Yasapaka Salonen's concerto with Cincinnati Symphony and Santu Matias Ruffoli. I'm doing a lot of Kaya host music. We just finished a residency together in Aspen Music Festival and We'll be doing another residency at the Curtis Institute of Music. I'll also be playing her violin concerto to open the Présence Festival in Paris in February and doing also mixed chamber music program of her music there. There's a huge Kaya Sariajo emphasis on my season this year, which I'm really looking forward to. I really love her music. Then I'm doing other things like Sibelius concerto with New Jersey Symphony. Oh, I'm playing... Mozart third violin concerto with Jamie Laredo, my former teacher at Carnegie. Sounds like a very boring life. How do you put up with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty stressful, but I'm on vacation now, so I'm not stressed. Great. Well, you sound very relaxed. And we've been talking with Jennifer Coe, who has a brand new album on uh, CD Records, Tchaikovsky Complete Works with Violin and Orchestra. Uh, Jennifer Coe with the Odense Symphony Orchestra, conducted by her friend and colleague Alexander Verdenikoff. Uh, Jennifer Coe, it's been a real delight to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And by the way, this recording and all of the other wonderful Sadie Records may be purchased at sadierecords.org. That's C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org. And Sadie Records, we should say, is a nonprofit organization, and you may donate to keep this wonderful enterprise going by calling Sadie at 773 773- 989-2515. That's 773-989-2515 or the website that I gave you, sadierecords.org. 